front, there's Cortez Higgs, and, uh, and there's Pastor David. Now, Pastor David, I don't know if we should be impressed with him or disappointed, because I think he may have pinched Selah to actually to create a face of Pastor Fred hurt my feelings. So I'm going to give these to Pastor David and let him get those to those three people. So those are $10 gift cards. And then I have two $15 gift cards for my, my runners-up. These are the Rich Acts. Come on. And the Davidsons. Nice. Come on. I don't think the Rich, are the Rich Acts here, but the Davidsons are here. So I'm going to give them their card. And uh, congratulations for doing your... We said take a selfie of, of, of your pouty face because I know that I, I pushed some people last week. So the next two, there are, they, they, they're a little bit creepy, but that's why they're funny. And so if you know Wendy Peck... Uh, her and Kevin are at a, pretty much a different campus every weekend because they help with worship on all the different campuses. And so she actually took it up a notch. And so there's two little videos that we're going to show you that you can see here. Pastor Fred hurt my feelings. <laughs> Pastor Fred hurt my feelings. Yeah. He did. Yeah. He hurt my feelings. Yeah. Isn't that great? Like she raised the bar, did she not? She's like, oh, because there was a $25 Starbucks gift card, right? That's two coffees at Starbucks. It's, it's a big deal. So that's a big deal. So that $25 gift card, so I'm going to give these to April, our service coordinator, Rich Axe, and also for Wendy, and then we'll make sure that she, those get to the, to the right place. So I'm going to invite the... Uh, the Saturday Life team to come forward as we prepare to take up our evening tithes and offerings. Father, we just, we thank you for the generosity that is flowing out of these three campuses. We thank you, Father, that, that, that all the empty chairs that we see in here on Saturday nights recently, I get excited about those because I know that's because there are new seats in Suffolk at that campus that launched in January, Father. We, we thank you, Father, for this vision that you've given us to begin to plant campuses all throughout this region because that you've put a message in us of heaven now, heaven forever that we're supposed to bring to this community. We know, Father, that you've given every church a message. And we know that there are, um, there are other churches in this area that are amazing churches, and we celebrate those churches. It's one of the reasons why, God, we love to participate in the National Day of Prayers. We get to stand together with those other churches, oh God. Father, I, I, I pray that, that, that these moments where we get to worship you with our giving, God, that we're not going to miss the moments of generosity that you've called us to. Like, just like we talked about last weekend, Father, this idea, am I cheerful? And the next three questions that we're going to get to at some point, Father, for part two of that sermon, God, we know that you have put things into our possession that we're supposed to sow into your kingdom. So find us cheerful tonight, God. Find us cheerful. In Christ's name, and everybody said together, amen. There's some more video announcements on the screen. everyone. If you didn't already know, City Life is one church with three campuses in Hampton Roads with the same mission, which is to help people live a life in devotion to Jesus to the fullest, discovering the promise of not just heaven to come, but on heaven on earth today. As we like to say, heaven now, heaven forever. There are so many amazing things happening here at City Life, and we would love for you to be a part. Here's a look at more upcoming events.
On April 29th, City Life's College and Young Professionals will be hosting an event at NRBC that will help us see the effect of the gospel on our lives and what can happen when we use our voice for God's glory. If you are in college or you consider yourself a young professional, join us for Secret Church, a six hour long simulcast with David Platt that includes an intense time of Bible study and a necessary time of prayer for our brothers and sisters who face daily persecution in order to advance the gospel. Check out this video to get a little glimpse of what to expect. Did you know that by simply being here at tonight's service and letting people know about it on Facebook, that you can make a difference in someone else's life? Simply by going to Facebook on your smartphone, checking into your campus, a meal will be provided to a child in need through the organization Feed One. So far in the month of April, we have been able to provide 167 meals. It's an easy way to make a difference. So grab your smartphones and check in right now. Thanks so much for listening to this week's announcements. For more information on the events I shared with you today and to join in on all that is happening here, you can visit us at citylifeva.com. Enjoy the rest of service. I just want to make a couple of comments about the uh, National Day of Prayer, too, that um, I want to encourage you to, to connect with some other people that you know and go together to that event. Don't, don't just show up by yourself. And, and, uh, and if you don't have anybody to connect with and you see us at the end of the service and, uh, and you can connect with us and we'll figure out a place and a time to meet, there, there's going to be moments. It's, we're hoping, we, we've made some suggestions to change it up. I hope that they implement them to make it more interactive, to make it more participatory this year. So there's going to be moments to break out into small groups and to pray together. And, uh, and so I hope that you find some other people and you go together as a group and, uh, and sit together. And then you're going to just meet some other amazing uh, people from other churches here on the peninsula praying uh, that night together. So, uh, well, I'm excited about what I feel like that God's just stirring in my heart. And uh, uh, this is one of the reasons why we do live worship and live teaching at every one of our campuses uh, is because we, we feel like there's moments where the Holy Spirit uh, speaks to us and he just wants to do something different than maybe what we had initially intended or had initially planned. And so I appreciate the tech team and the Saturday Life team and and uh, in April, the service coordinator for flowing with us when we start to move things around a little bit in an une unexpected way. So, um, you know, I, I did sports when I was growing up, but I wasn't very good at it, right? Anybody else in that boat? Don't be ashamed, right? So I, I, I enjoyed them, and uh, I, had, I had moments of greatness, 
but they were not moments of untapped potential. They were anomalies. You with me? They were, they were, they were rare exceptions that, that did not happen again or did not repeat themselves. And so one of the sports that I discovered when I was in middle school was wrestling. I, I loved wrestling. I loved the, the, uh, the idea of, uh, of just it's you against that other person. And, and so when I got to high school, I was on the, the, the JV squad. And, uh, and that freshman year, I didn't, I didn't get to wrestle a lot. But then my sophomore year, uh, I was one of the, I had an opportunity to wrestle for the starting, you had, you had to wrestle every week to win the starting role. Any other wrestlers in here wrestled in high school? Yet? So you had to wrestle every week. It didn't matter who you were or every week, varsity or JV, you had to wrestle to earn the right to wrestle at the meet. And so I wrestled and actually won for the first time in my, my, my this was my third year of my wrestling career, I won uh, in order to be able to, to, to start uh, for the JV squad. I went to this little school called Verona High School, east of Richmond. Uh, it's a rural community, a farming community, and we were wrestling against Bird High School, which was in the West End. And, and, and so we show up, and, and, uh, and you're, you're, you're on the bench, and you're, you're, you're looking over and figuring out who you're going to be wrestling, right? Now, in wrestling, there's weight classes, right? Which means that the other person is supposed to weigh the same amount as you are, right? So I still can't figure out how I'm wrestling this person that I'm supposed to wrestle, because he's twice as big as me, right? But he, but he supposedly weighs the same as much as me. And so I remember going out onto the mat and looking at this guy and thinking to myself, this might be the fastest wrestling match in the history of Verina High School wrestling. And so the whistle blows and, you know, you're kind of moving around a little bit. And the next thing I know, I'm counting the lights in the gym, right? Which is not the position you want to be in when you're wrestling, right? Because that means that you're on your back. And, and, and I, I'm not even sure how it happened, right? Like, I, I know that we kind of move towards each other. And the next thing you know, I, like, I am upside down. I'm on my back, and this guy who's twice as big as me is, is like he's a boa constrictor, right? He's squeezing. He's in, his nick, he should have had an anaconda tattoo on his bicep that was as big as my thigh. And, and so, so, so I'm on there, and, 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 and all of a sudden, I can hear this voice in the stands. It's my father. And he's screaming, don't give up. Don't quit. For two minutes straight, he's, it's the only thing that I can hear. Now, everybody's cheering, right? That voice of my dad just rose above all the rest of the noise that was in that gymnasium. For two minutes straight, don't quit, son. Don't give up. You can do it. My dad passed away about a year and a half ago. It's one of my favorite memories of my dad. He didn't have a lot to say. He was a quiet man growing up. He wasn't a verbal, expressive person. But on, on, on that night, he just, he was, he was this crazed man in the stands cheering for his son not to quit. And so I found a way to, to fight through those two minutes of this guy squeezing the life out of me. And when that whistle blew to end that period, it was, my, it was, it was a beautiful sound, right? And I stood up and I looked into the stands to find my father. And there he was, standing up. Everybody else was sitting down. He was standing up, looking at me. Not saying anything. And in that moment, something happened inside of me. I had never, I've never, I had never experienced it in sports in my entire life. I played baseball growing up. 
Never experienced it. There was an intensity that, that awakened inside of me in that moment. It wasn't anger. It felt like anger, but it wasn't anger. It was very different from anger. But there was a passion that came alive inside of me that I had never experienced before. And I could not wait for that second period to start. I was thinking to myself, well, I wasn't a devoted follower of Christ then, so I can't tell you what I was thinking to myself. <laughs> but I was thinking some things to myself in that moment. And for the next four minutes, right, there's three two-minute periods in wrestling. For the next four minutes, I owned that wrestling match. It was five to nothing when that match, start, when that second period started. And when the match was over, I had won that match 10 to 5. 10 to 5. It's got twice as big, twice as big as me. And when it was over, I noticed that when the wrestler, that, that I found out afterwards that they actually had two starters, and they, 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 they alternated. Instead of, of, of wrestling each other each week for fear that one of them would get hurt, they just they alternated. So there was always a varsity athlete actually wrestling for, 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 for JV. And so, and so when he was walking towards his coach, I saw his coach look at him like, what gives, you know? Like, like how, how could you not beat that guy? And what was funny is that when I was walking to my coach, he was doing the same thing. What gifts? Where has this been, right? Who is this, who is this kid? Who is, who is this kid? That thing that stirred inside of me was because someone was believing in me when no one else did. Something happened inside of me because I didn't even believe in myself. There is something that powerful that happens in our lives when someone stands over us and begins to say things about us, sometimes things that we can't even see in ourselves. I'm going to be talking about it in, 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 in the weeks to come, but when we were on the, the, at the Elam conference and I was reading, we're reading through the Bible, you know, every year we're doing the chronological plan and the chronological plan has, has had us in the story of David as of recent. And, and it's powerful that when someone goes to Saul and says to him, there's somebody that you need to invite into your court to play the harp for you because there was an evil spirit that God had sent to Saul to torment him because he was right in a place of rebellion against God. He was rejecting God, and, and so he was walking out the consequences of that. The story of David and Goliath had not happened yet. It's not happened yet when you follow the chronology of the story. And, and the person describes David, the person describes David as a mighty warrior and as a man of war. And up until that point, you know what David was? He was just a shepherd. That's it. He was just a shepherd. And, and to the point when Samuel actually went to anoint David as the next king, everyone was like, how could this be the next king? When they looked at all the brothers, all the brothers looked like this guy that I was wrestling and David looked like me, right? I've always had the body of a basketball player, but I'm actually, I have a, a, my, my height is in the, I have a negative vertical leap. It's terrible, Right? So I did what everybody else did who couldn't play basketball, right? We wrestled in, in high school. That, that's David. There was nothing about his physical body that would have said that he was a man of war. And he did not have that reputation yet. So it's fascinating when you read this person that goes into Saul's court and describes David to him, right? He's not slay Goliath yet. He's not fought yet, right? He's, he's described as a man of war, a mighty man of war, mighty man of valor. There are times when people see things in us that we do not even see in ourselves. There's times when people see things in us that, 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 we, that, that, that we've yet to fulfill, but it's part of God's destiny for us, and it's beyond what we can even imagine. It's beyond our natural ability. It's beyond other people's assessment. 
of our skill sets. It's beyond our intellect. It's beyond our, our giftings. It's, it's beyond everything. That's part of, of who God is. He calls us into the beyond. So, so listen to this story. This comes out of Matthew. It's the story of Jesus' baptism. This, this comes out of, of Matthew chapter 3. It says, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. Jesus, at this, it's hard to imagine, he's a nobody. Nobody knows who Jesus is. He, he, he's a nobody. In, in history, in Israel, n- nobody knows about who he is except maybe Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth, his aunt and uncle, and Mary and Joseph. But, but for everybody else, he's, he's just, he's, no one knows his name. And Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, who's his cousin. But John tried to talk him out of it. He says, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? Verse 15. But Jesus says, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him, verse 16. And after his baptism, listen to this, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, The Father of all creation stands up in the grandstands of all the universe and screams with a voice that one day we're going to hear when we get to the heavens. It, it, it says like it's, the, it's described in the Bible as the sound of rushing waters. This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. God knows that Jesus is about ready to defeat sin and death. And there's nothing about Jesus' story, there's nothing about his appearance. When you read the prophecy of Isaiah in speaking of him, it says there's nothing about him that would naturally draw us to him. When you you looked at Jesus, you would have said, there's no way this is the Messiah. I don't wonder sometimes even though Jesus knew who he was, even though he was divine, he was also fully man. I don't wonder if the human side of him thought to himself, I wonder if God gave me the wrong body. I wonder if he didn't make me look the way that I was supposed to look. Here I am, I'm supposed to begin this three years of ministry and nobody even knows who I am. It makes me think that maybe he felt like he was on the wrestling mat upside down and it wasn't quite starting out the way that he had hoped. But then there was a voice that came out of heaven that said, I believe in you. You can do this thing that I've called you to do. And you know what I love about the story of the Bible is that when you get into the Gospel of John, right? If you want to understand the, the full story of Jesus' life, you have to look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you have to assimilate them. You have to put them together. And do you know what one of the very first things that Jesus did after God spoke this over him, right? It's nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration, so Jesus went to Jerusalem. It's probably just months after his baptism. And in the temple area, he saw merchants selling cattle and sheep and doves for sacrifice. And he also saw dealers at tables exchanging foreign money. 
Now, now it wasn't the fact that they were selling things that, that the, 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 the fundraiser for tonight said, hey, don't read that verse while we're selling things to raise money for camp, right? It wasn't the fact they were selling things that, that made Jesus angry. It was the fact that, 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 they, that they were overcharging people. You with me? They would not accept foreign money. And so they like tripled the exchange rate. They were taking advantage of people. People that traveled from afar and couldn't bring the animals that they needed for the sacrifice. They're paying three, five, ten times what they're supposed to. They're, 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 it's thievery taking place. That's what made him angry. Listen to what he says he did. He makes a whip from some rope and he chased them out of the temple. He drove out the sheep. He drove out the, the cattle. He scattered the money changers. The, their coins were strewn all over the floor. He turned over their tables. Then going over to the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here and stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. Listen to this verse in 17. Then his disciples remembered this prophecy from Scripture. Passion for God's house will consume me. I think people turned around and it was like the wrestling coaches. Who was this? Who is this guy? Who does he think he is to come and do these things? It's interesting, isn't it? That when someone begins to speak things over your life and it begins to catch fire in your heart, there is a passion and a zeal that can rise up inside of you. And that's exactly what we see happen to Jesus. I, I don't think it's coincidental that God spoke those things over him and this was his first act. Well, actually, it's, it's his second act, which is kind of funny. His first act was something that he didn't intend to do, but his mother talked him into do when he turned the water into wine. And actually, if you read in John, the turning over the money tables actually happened soon after that. In fact, it comes right next to that. And so maybe you've thought in the past, maybe Jesus, all that wine he created, maybe he had a little bit of too much himself, and he went into the temples, and he was, he, maybe Jesus was a rowdy drunk. But we know that's not the case. Don't connect the turning over the tables to Cana. You connect the turning over the, to the tables to the moment where God speaks something over his life. And something came alive inside of him in that moment. God was just writing this message on my heart the whole time we're, we're, we're worshiping. And I'm, I'm praying, you know, is this supposed to be my sermon for next week, right? And, 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 and then all of a sudden, Sabra, I, I'm worshiping. I, I felt her tapping on my on my arm and then she shares what God had spoken to her and she didn't know that God was speaking something to me and then what she shared I'm thinking this is it right we're supposed to we're supposed to talk about this tonight because some of you you're in that haunted house and you're afraid and you're not supposed to be I'm not telling you that God's going to change your circumstance or your situation what I'm telling you is that God wants to change you in the midst of your circumstance and in the midst of your situation He's not going to, you're not going to leave this church tonight and find a different circumstance on the other side of that door. But I think there are some of you that are here tonight, you're supposed to walk out of this door different than you came in. And that he wants to ignite something inside of you that is supernatural, that's from heaven, that's otherworldly, that's going to cause you to have a confidence about yourself and about your situation that you're going to be able to pray over and speak to, that's going to cause friends to go, who is this? Where, where has this person been? Who are you? 
Maybe you're here tonight and you're going to go home and your spouse is in here and your husband's going to say, what happened to you? Maybe you're going to get your kids out of, out of workshop or the nursery and you're going to be going, your kids are going to be going, I don't even know who this person is. I think the wrong parent picked, they got my numbers mixed up on the coding. They gave me to the wrong mother. There are times in your life where you feel like you've lost, where you're upside down. You're counting the lights on the ceiling of your circumstance and you think, I cannot win. And God says to you, don't give up. Don't quit. You can do it. But if you allow passivity, which can quickly become weakness, to rule in your heart, you will not find the determination that God wants to put in you to rise above your circumstance, to move through the season that you might be in and have this feeling of, I am going to overcome. What I'm saying to you tonight is that you can win. You can win. You can win. You can win the battle of being able to forgive the person that you think I can never forgive them again. I'm telling you, you can win. And the devil is whispering in your ear to just give up. And God is saying to you, don't quit. You, you might be here tonight and you're saying, Fred, I am never going to win the battle of addiction that I've been fighting for my whole entire life. And God's saying to you, yes, you can if you don't quit. There has got to be something that you allow to come alive inside of you that feels a little bit like anger, but it's really not. It's a righteous indignation that causes you to begin to turn over the tables in your heart of the things that don't belong there. Desires to see things that you shouldn't be looking at. Desires to have more of things that you're not supposed to be consuming. To purchase things that you're not supposed to be buying. To say things to people that you shouldn't be saying. To withhold from people that you shouldn't be withholding. At some point in your life, God wants your will to actually get bigger, not to displace your sense of submission to God, but to empower you to make the decisions that He wants you to make. We believe in something here at City Life that we call self-governance. It does not mean that you were independent or are not in need of, we're desperate for God. We're desperate for Him. We're desperate for His grace. We're desperate for His mercy. We're desperate for His direction. But when He gives you that grace, when He gives you that mercy, when He gives you that direction, you know what He expects you to do? He expects you to do something. When you pray and ask Him to help you to be more disciplined in reading your Bible, guess what? You, you actually have to get out of bed the next day. You, right? When you pray and ask Him to help you to forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, and He begins to give you the grace for that person that's impossible for you to manufacture in your own heart, you know what you have to do? You have to be the one that actually forgives. He will not do it for you. is something of passion that God wants to come alive in some hearts here tonight. For some of you as fathers and husbands, you've been passive for too long. Too long. 
Your wife is the one who's always getting you to come to church. Your wife is the one that's always trying to talk you into serving. Your wife is the one that's always trying to talk you into giving. Your wife is the one who's always trying to talk you into going to the marriage life group that you went to for one time just to check it off the box and never went back again. Your kids are the one who are always asking you to go to church. Come on, can we just say enough of that? Something should rise up inside of you. Oh, what did Jesus call it? A passion for God's house will consume me. What are you passionate about? I know some of you have passion in your life because I see it on Facebook all the time. God wants to take that passion and he wants to point it towards kingdom things, toward things that are eternally significant, to things that are going to matter forever. He wants you to be as passionate for your wife as you are for your hobby. He wants you to be as passionate for your kids as you are for your career. He wants you to be as passionate for serving as a volunteer as you are for doing things that you get paid for. And for some of you, it's because you've never had a revelation that God is your Father standing in the grandstands of the universe and you are the only person that He sees. He sees just you. Just you. And He's calling out your name. He knows who you are. And He's saying, don't quit. You can do it. Don't give up. And you might say, well, Fred, that's a neat story. That just lasted for two minutes for you. But for me, it's been two decades. And what I'm saying to you, to God, it does not matter. It does not matter how long it's been. His voice is just as loud. He can scream as long as you need to hear it. But at some point, you have to stand up. You have to find his gaze. You have to look for him in the grandstands. You have to recognize that he sees you and that he knows who you are. And in that moment, when your eyes meet, you have to allow your heart to be different. You have to let him in as your father. You have to let the words that he wants to speak over you get inside of you and to begin to change you. You can walk away from this moment tonight and be the person that you've been for the rest of your life and if you've made a vow of devotion to Christ you're still going to go to heaven when you die he's still going to hug you heaven's still going to celebrate you when you're there but you're going to miss out on a whole lot here that God wants you to do that's why we have this message that we feel like God has given to us heaven now, heaven forever it's not about waiting to get there it's about knowing that I'm going to go there and the passion that it puts in me here to overcome everything that I'm supposed to overcome and take as many people with me as I can. When I get to heaven, I'm going to look for some people because I'm going to be there because of them. Because of people who weren't afraid to reach out to me when I was running from God. And can I just tell you, I want some people to be looking for me. I do. I want some people to be looking for me and to say, I'm here because of him and I'm going to be looking for people to say I'm here because of you I hope that you're going to have some people that are looking for you in heaven and saying I, I don't know what happened to you in April of 2016 but something changed inside of you and that changed, it changed me anybody here want that story for your life I want that story for my life 
I want to stop shrinking back when I'm supposed to press in. I want to stop giving up when I'm supposed to overcome. I want to stop quitting when I'm supposed to be winning. We're not going to always win. We're not going to be undefeated in life. But come on, let's get a few more columns in the win. Let's get as many there as we're supposed to have. For some of you tonight, there's a moment that we're going to step into in just a minute. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to invite you to stand and we're just going to kind of linger in this moment of worship. For some of you, you need to just come up here and, and, and just, just find a, a, a place of solitude with God and I want you to picture Him standing up in a stadium when everybody else is sitting down, screaming your name and you hear from Him whatever you need to hear. And in that moment, I am telling you, he can cause something to come alive inside of you that you thought was impossible. I'm going to walk around. If people are up here and pray for you, I have some anointing oil that I might put on your, on your forehead. There's nothing special about that. It's just a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Just to remind you, it's about what God wants to do in us. Sometimes the seen helps give us faith for the unseen. So stand with me. Father, as Chris leads us in this song, as we step into this sacred moment with you, Father, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is somebody here in this room tonight, and this moment is supposed to change the trajectory of their life. That this is supposed to be a moment that April 23rd, that this Saturday in 2016 is supposed to be a day that they're never going to forget, that it's going to be a day that their children will never forget, that it's going to be a day that their co-workers will never forget, that it's going to be a day that their spouse will never forget, and their neighbors will never forget, and if this is their church that city life is never going to get, and if they're visiting from somewhere else, that whatever church that they call home, that their church family is never going to forget. God, we want to be a people who have a passion and a zeal inside of us that is not manufactured human emotion, but it's something that is birthed and coming alive inside of us because we hear you speaking some things over us as your children, that you are our father and I am your child. And so for whoever that is tonight, I pray, Father, that every encumbrance would be set aside that every negative whisper, that every, 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 every lie from the enemy would be silenced, that there would be spiritual clarity in this moment like they've never had before, that those feelings of being self-conscious and being unable and of insecurity, that you're just going to chase that stuff away in the way that Jesus chased stuff out of the temple. Father, your word says that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so clear some things out of this temple in all of us tonight. Make room for the passion that you want to birth inside of us. In Jesus' name. Come on, Chris is going to lead us in a song. You come. <laughs> 